Hi, Calling family. This is Pastor Michael, and welcome to our church podcast. I'm so grateful for you tuning in today, and I believe today's message is going to strengthen your faith in Jesus. So we're in this time of prayer and fasting. I want to talk a little bit about the Old Testament and and Genesis and the New Testament and Hebrews, and I want to talk about the subject of holy hunger all right, and in that, I also want to reshare or reteach us a, a moment of what fasting is because I know in my church, which all are welcome, and I'll say that again, all are welcome in this church. So I am, somebody say amen. All right, wherever we're, we're wherever we're, I'm butchering that, wherever we're at, I don't know if I said that right, all right, uh, wherever we are at with Jesus, all are welcome. Some of you are just exploring Jesus, some of you are just trying out Jesus, so to speak, some of you. Uh, I have followed Jesus for many years, and so uh, in that spectrum, some of us may know what fasting is, and some of us may not have any idea what fasting is, all right? And so I want to just reshare that according to the Bible, all right? So holy hunger. Can you say that with me? Holy hunger. Holy hunger. I pray that the Holy Spirit would feed you filet mignon with this message, that he would teach you and satisfy you with an appetite uh, or with what you've been hungry for in your soul. So what is fasting? What is fasting according to the Bible? All right. Well, let me tell you what fasting is not. Fasting is not a hunger strike. Say hunger strike. Fasting is not a hunger strike. All right. We know that this has been evident in the world, like Gandhi and so forth. Fasting is not a hunger strike because a hunger strike is political. Fasting is not about dieting. Some of you are like, man, I need to lose weight. Let's do this. Let's do this fast. But, all right, I'm trying to lose weight anyway. Fat, that is about the physical. The diet is about the physical. But the fasting that the Bible talks about is about the spiritual. Somebody say amen. You out there? It's about the spiritual. It's not about your diet necessarily. It's not about political things. Although nations have fasted. To see breakthrough in the nation. I just read, I've been doing a lot of studies in, about fasting. I read about John Wesley, I believe, in the 1700s, 1750s, I believe. In that time, the French was actually going to invade England. And the king of England actually called a whole fast for the nation to pray and go before the Lord with, with mourning and just seeking his heart and, and petitioning that the French would not invade England and uh, the whole nation, the Bible said, or not the Bible, John Wesley's journals revealed that the churches were packed, uh, uh, people were, were hungry and uh, were hopeful, and God answered their prayer, and the French diverted their plans to invade England, and God provided a breakthrough. So fasting can both be for individual reasons, between the individual and God, and fasting can also be between the community and God. Let me say that again. Fasting is both both for the individual and God and also for the nation or the community and God. Amen. Someone out there, okay. And I believe, let me just share with you what I want us to fast for in this church and what I'm particularly fasting for in this congregation. And before I go on teaching, one of the things that I'm praying for is deliverance for people in my church. You have been rocked by fear. You have been given bad news this year. People have walked out on you this year and left you isolated, alone in the responsibility. Maybe you've heard a bad medical report and all year long you've been suffering with fear, trepidation, all right? Maybe you're going through depression. 
Maybe you're dealing with anxiety. But I believe that my God heals. And I believe that my God hears from heaven. And I'm believing that God will break the yoke of fear and oppression. And whoever has supplanted in your life, that God will provide peace and healing and breakthrough. Somebody say amen. I don't know if you're hungry for that. But I pray that if you are, you will receive which receive this blessing, honestly. I might be speaking just to two of you online or in person, but peace is possible. Somebody say amen. I'm praying for deliverance over people in my church. I, I believe I have a particular ministry to teach the word, but also to help people who are hurting and who are broken. Somebody, you out there. And if you're hurting, the Bible, or, or, people, or, I've been told that if you always preach to the hurting, you will always have an audience. And I don't preach to the hurting because I want an audience. I preach to the hurting, to be honest with you, because I've been hurt so bad that I didn't even want to be here anymore in my life. But one day I showed up to church and I gave God my heart. Like the song says, here I am, here I am, all right. I'm available and look what God has done now. Somebody say amen, all right. He's a good God. He's a God who heals and who hears. So I'm praying for deliverance for people in the church. Somebody say amen. All right, I'm also praying for this as well. I'm praying for the strengthening of our church I believe that some of you are leaders and we need you, all right? Like Pastor Kareen said, uh, this is not a hotel, although we will be a hotel for you for a little while, all right? <laughs> but at some point, we want this for you to be your home and to drive the mission of, and the message of Jesus forward by serving in his church. Someone say amen. So we're praying and believing for the strengthening of the church by volunteers and staff members. But also, I do believe this on the horizon and it makes me so excited. I do believe that there is a building and a home just for us as a community. Come on, somebody, all right? I have actually, we've been looking for a, a, a church, a, a building for our, our church uh, for about a year or so or more. And um, uh, it hasn't been the right time. But I do believe that God is, is, is prompting me to look for a building for our own, our own place, so to speak, in and around the area, all right? Although we are so grateful to the, the, the Pasadena Unified School District, uh, I just want a home for us. Somebody say amen, all right? I believe a home for us, a home for our community where we can set up things. And by the way, everything that you see has been set up for the most part. Because people have come here early and sacrificed sleep, all right, and uh, set up the coffee and so forth. But we believe that one day we'll get a key and open the door and there it will be. We won't have to set it up. We won't have to break it down. It'll be right there. Somebody say amen, all right. Come on, y'all. How many want? How many just believe in that with us and have a building of our own in the name of Jesus, all right? Hey, we're also believing for the provision to come with that, all right. We're believing for provision. So God is saying, ask and you shall receive, all right? You have not because you ask not. All right, so those are things that we're praying for as a church community. But let me go back to teaching on fasting, all right? So fasting is a spiritual discipline and practice to abstain from food or social media, but technically food, to draw near to the heart of God, to better hear from God. All right, fasting is not about watching this. Now we need to understand this. Fasting is not about getting God's attention. This is theology for you. You know why? Ooh, we're running late. It's already 12 o'clock. I'm, I'm, I'm barely in. I haven't even got to Esau and Jacob. All right. Lock the doors. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
I have to fly. Woo, that was fast. My wife took up all that time. Holy, <laughs> you're going to preach next week, okay, woman? And I'll sing. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, <laughs> uh, fasting is not about getting God's attention. And here's why. Because technically speaking, God is omnipotent, omniscient. He's everywhere and he's powerful. And he's all-knowing. You're never going to surprise God. It's not like you're, you're telling God, you know, I'm going to fast God. And you know what? I'm going to get your attention. And I'm going to make you do this because I'm fasting. And imagine God's like with a bowl of popcorn. Like, oh, really? For real? You're going to surprise me like that? That's impossible. Because theologically speaking, God is always aware of everything that you go through. So fasting is not about getting God's attention. It's the opposite. It's about getting your focus, get God getting your attention back on him, all right? That's what it is, all right? And also fasting is about humbling oneself, downgrading your pride, and elevating your humility. Some of the blessings we've not received it yet because honestly we're prideful. And by fasting, food, you're, you're realizing, God, every ounce of strength comes from you. Every paycheck from, come, comes from you. Every breath comes from you. And I cannot do this on my own. I'm going to downgrade my pride so that you can elevate my faith and elevate my humility. Somebody say amen, all right? It's all about you. It doesn't work without you, all right? Uh, uh, so fasting is a reminder, watch this, to believers that we're not dependent upon food. The other day I was fasting for a good portion of time and I opened the refrigerator and my mouth was just so savory. <laughs> but I was a reminder, you know, it even, shared, it even was an enlightening moment for me that I, I, I understand more than, um, I, I'm, it's easy for me to understand that money is not my God. It's harder, it's harder to understand, obviously, uh, with food, that food is not my God. That God is not, um, that my stomach is not my God. So I was able to look at the fridge and say, you're not my God. God is my God. He's my substance and I'm relying upon him fully. Someone say amen. All right. So fasting is all about the spiritual to deeply connect with God on a level we are not uh, are doing at the present moment. And here's the other thing about fasting is that God is going to release breakthrough in your life. He really is. How many of you believe that? How many of you want that? Come on, to be honest with you, I want that. I need that. And not only does God want to provide breakthrough for your life, but watch this, God wants to speak to you. God wants to speak to you. And, and I'm going to be teaching in a few weeks about can, I, can you hear from God? Yes, you can. And watch this, most of the time, a lot of the times, believers have a hard time hearing from God because there's a lot of stress in our life. There's a lot of distraction in our life. There's a lot, we're, we're, we're feeding ourselves a bunch of stuff and it's distracting ourselves. We're watching TV, we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. We're working all the time and we just can't hear God because there's so much noise that it's interfering with our connection. Come on, someone out there today. And when we say no, I'm going to be intentful and I'm going to be purposeful in this moment, in this time period, that I am going to uh, not do these things and abstain, abstain from these things so I can hear from God. And watch this. God is going to release fresh wisdom. God is going to release fresh encouragement in your life. Someone say amen. You out there, all right? So this is what a little teaching on fasting. But let's get back to Jacob and Esau. Jacob and Esau. What an amazing trivial thing that one bowl of soup literally changed the trajectory 
of someone's life. A bowl, you heard me right, a bowl of soup. Come on, someone, all right? Esau was not like his brother. Esau was a, it was, he was a hairy man, all right? <laughs> he was a, a red man, so to speak, and he was a hunter. Jacob, his younger brother, who was clasping his heel uh, being, while being born, all right? There was always competition among the brothers, just like we do have in our own siblings, all right, in our own family. There was competition. There was always jostling, wrestling, and competing. But Jacob was the exact opposite than Esau. Jacob, the Bible says, he liked to remain among the tents. He was not a hunter. In fact, Jacob was a chef. He knew how to cook. Come on, anyone know how to cook in this place? All right. He loved to cook. He knew how to cook. See, I, 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 can, go, I can go hunt the food. I can go to Albertsons and find the bread. I, I, can, I can go buy the ingredients. I can't make it. It won't taste good. My wife said, well, you should make dinner sometime. Like, do you want to eat it? Do you want it, do you want it, do you want it to be good? All right. All right. Then you make the food. I'll go get it. You, I'll, I'll get the deer. You make the deer. All right. So that's what Jacob was. And he used it. He used Jacob. His name means deceiver, supplanter. He's a cheat. All right. And, and as the story unfolds, God touches this man's life so dramatically, it, it, it is amazing, all right? It, it is quite amazing. So one day Esau, having got the game, all right, game means just the deer, so to speak. He brings it. He's so tired. The Bible says he's famished. Say famished. Here comes, here comes uh, uh, Jacob with a pot of pozole. That's red, all right? And he, yeah, he's like, oh, I made this pozole. There's some cabbage up in it. There's some hominy, some salsa, some tortillas in there. And, and Esau's like watering. He's like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm about to, this Bible says, he says, I'm about to die. I need that pozole right now. And Jacob's like, for real, you need it right now? He's like, all right, well, sell me your birthright. And he's like, what? Sell me your birthright. See, Jacob knows what he's doing. He knows what he's after. And watch the, watch the dynamic between the two, all right? How many pozole, by the way? Man, my grandma, if you're watching, she's in Mexico. She's probably not watching. She'll watch later. Uh, my grandma Juan, she makes the best pozole, better than your grandma, better than your mama. All right? She makes the best pozole she does. I mean, I, and I just want you to know how much, yeah, you give, yes, you can give God a clap for a pozole making grandma. All right? You know her. She comes here all the time. This week, um, someone, uh, my, gra- my grandma actually made pozole, and I, I didn't have it. All right? It was so painful. <laughs> But here's Jacob, and he knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. The devil knows what he's trying to do in your life. But do you know it? Look what, he saw, the, look what happens. He says, I'm dying. I'm famished. And by the way, you won't die after one day of starvation. Medically speaking, spiritually speaking, you will not die. All right. Uh, I, I've read tons of books on this. Believe me, you will not. Die. But he's over exaggerating. All right. I'm going to die. And he says, You know what? What is my birthright going to do me now? What is it serving me now? Nothing. All right. I'm so starving. I have an appetite. I'm hungry. I'm famished. And he says, You know what? I will give you my birthright, Jacob. Jacob's like, All right. All right. Let me get let the tortilla still on the comal. Let me get it for you. Here you go. All right. And Esau gives up his birthright. Say birthright. What is a birthright? What is a birthright? A birthright to this day is your position in the family. My wife and I have the privilege of being the firstborn. Any firstborns here? Come on, someone. Any firstborns? One person. All you, two, three. The rest of you are not privileged then. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> the, the firstborn. 
when I was born, I was the first handsome grandson, nephew. I had all the privileges to be passed around, loved, cared for. All right, then my sister came. I'm sorry, Arlene. No, <laughs> they're like, no, we're, we're over it now. No, I'm just kidding. But he had the privileges of the firstborn. In the ancient Near East, we know this even to this day, that there are special blessings, say blessings, that come with the firstborn uh, a son. And Jacob just came right after. Remember, he was right after Esau. Get, he was competing for that, so to speak, grabbing his heel. So the firstborn, there is a double portion blessing in the ancient Near East. In other words, every kid got an inheritance, but the firstborn, say the firstborn, the firstborn got double the blessing. Ooh, I want that one. Not only that, he had standing in the family. He had leadership. He had position. He had authority, all right, even when the family passed, so to speak, passed away. He had blessing. And Esau, the Bible says, was godless because he just gave it away without any thoughts. He gave away something so precious, all right, something so beautiful. And watch this. If it was not valuable, that birthright, then we have to ask ourselves, why would Jacob go after it? Why would he go after it? Jacob went after that birthright not because it was just in of, of itself. He went after that birthright, all right, because everything that was attached to that birthright. So here he is with that pozole, being a trickster, all right. And I don't have time to get into this, but watch this. The Lord is sovereign. Say sovereign. Watch this. Everything was playing out according to God's plan. Even before they were born, God had chose Jacob, not Esau. God had chose Jacob all along. And this is another message in itself and another time. Jacob had the hardest time because he always believed that he had to cheat and lie and scheme to get ahead. When all the while he was already chosen, all the while he was blessed. You, I'm speaking to someone today, you don't need to steal, you don't need to cheat, you don't need to lie. All right, because you believe there's only so much pieces of the pie out there. What God has for you is for you and it will come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stop overworking yourself, so to speak. Stop degrading yourself, stop lying, stop breaking the law. What God has for you will come to you in the name of Jesus. Jacob did not realize this. So he cheat, he stole, he lied, he did tricks. Someone out there today, that's another message in itself. What God has for you is for you and it will come to you on its own timing, in his timing. Somebody say amen. So here we are in this story. Jacob, gives, Jacob receives this birthright. And how does that, what does that mean for us today? A holy hunger, watch this. A holy hunger means that we aren't satisfied with the munchies of this world. I like munchies, all right? I munch a lot. <laughs> I'm a muncher. Corrine says, man, you get all that. She says, you get all that way because you munch on snacks all the time. I'm a snacker, all right? Mike loves snacks, all right? In fact, I work a lot. I, I, sometimes, a lot of times I'm overworked. I do a lot of work. I love my job. Uh, to me, it's not a job. It's a call. I love what I do. But all I need is a coffee in one hand and some Doritos in the other hand or some sunflower seeds, all right? Or some, I just bought Dodger peanuts a while ago and whatever. I, you know, that's all I need to keep me going, all right? And uh, uh, I'm just a snacker. I do that all the time, all right? And, and, I, and, Chris, and here's my nemesis for snacks. Not only, I'll just, for me, it's coffee and water, but then also I have Snickers. I love chocolate, man. That's my thing. I love chocolate, all right? That's my nemesis. Do, 
Buy me chocolate for Christmas, all right? That's what I love, all right? That's what I do. I still, I'm saving my Christmas chocolate right now. I still got some people buy me Christmas chocolate. I'm saving it. I didn't throw it away. I know we're sad after this fast. That's what I'm going after. But here's the deal. I like to munch on chocolate. Snickers my thing. Man. I love Snickers, all right? But here's the deal. If I have an appetite or if I live, if I continually feed myself with munchies of Doritos and constant chocolate, I will not be doing myself a favor. I will be harming myself. I will be hurting myself. And watch this. What God is saying through this text and this fast to you is that hunger for the things of heaven because the pornography will not work, because the lying won't work, because womanizing won't work, because doing this evil thing or breaking this law or having these thoughts or even watching these shows will not satisfy your eternal hunger or your life in this world. These are what we call spiritual munchies, so to speak. And stop nibbling on the things of this world when God got filet mignon for you in the name of Jesus Christ. When God has Ruth Chris for you and not McDonald's, all right? I know you're, we're, I love, I love my generation. I can't stand my generation. Because we are the microwave generation, all right? I just found out, by the way, a couple of noodles, you're not supposed to microwave that styrofoam. Oops, I've been doing that my whole childhood, all right? You're supposed to boil the water, then throw it. Oops, I'm good in the name of Jesus, all right? En nombre del Padre, Hijo, en Espíritu Santo, amen, all right? That's, I'm good. Thank you, Jesus, all right? God wants, God wants during this fast, as you abstain, watch this, you're saying no to your belly. You're saying no to your appetite. You're saying no to pornography. You know what? And I'm, I'm just sharing this. Men and women. You know why people watch pornography? Because they're hungry for affirmation, love, and attention. And you say, you know, if my wife's not going to give me that, I'm just going to go to the website. Man, if I, I don't ever get the man and have that, I'm just going to go to the website. That's a munchie. That's a Snickers bar. That's, remember how, what's her name, uh, she used to turn into that monster, all right, until they pacified her with a snicker. That, don't let Satan fool you. Don't let Satan fool you. Because watch this, you might say, for a moment, it ain't going to hurt nobody. If I steal this, if I cheat, if I watch, it's not going to hurt nobody if I do this once. That one time will turn into two. And by the year it's over, that will turn into 2,000 times. And now your soul has been so degraded that you don't even see women the same way, the way that God has intended you to see them, to love them, to care for them, to be a man to them, to be responsible for them. Because that website and the devil himself has so contorted your life and your inner being that, that you're eating McDonald's when God has filet mignon for you. Come on, someone say amen. This is the truth. I am speaking the truth. All right, that's what I'm saying. Not just pornography, but other things, all right? Watch this. You, and he, here's, here's what the devil will do. And I'm, I'm trying to go through my notes fast because I have an encyclopedia of notes here. But here's what the devil will do to you. The Bible says that Esau was famished. Say famished. Say it louder, famished. What famished means in the Hebrew, it means, it means worn out. It means it's all about the physical and the mental with this word. He was mentally tired. He was physically tired. It doesn't mean anything spiritual. It means physical and mental. His soul and his body, all right. Or let's say his mental, mental and physical. He was worn out. It means tired. It means he was exhausted. Now let me tell you one thing I've learned from Scripture and in my own life. 
the devil is such an, an opportuner, I don't know if that's a word, an opportuner, all right? Person who takes opportunity when he sees it. He will wait when you are tired, when you are starving, when you're exhausted with life and worn out with life. He'll come knocking at your door and he will give you McDonald's. And that McDonald's, I hope I won't get a lawsuit from McDonald's. And he'll make it look like it's amazing. And he'll try to take away the blessings that God has for your life by giving you and trying to sustain you with things that don't truly satisfy. And we, when we give into that, we ruin our calling and we ruin our life. Now watch, we learn this from Jesus. You remember that Jesus was tempted because he fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. And uh, the Bible says that the devil came to tempt him. You remember that? The devil came to say, hey, turn this rock. He was weak, the Bible says. He was hungry. The devil was trying to, to take this opportunity while he was weak to do some damage to Jesus. Not only to Jesus, but to the entire world. You remember the devil said, turn those, bread, those stones into bread. Do it. If you are God, the devil loves if all the time. If, Adam, if, did God say that? If, you know, if you are this, all right, if you're called, if you're chosen, turn those stones into bread. And Jesus said, no, man must live on every word that comes from the mouth of God, all right. But thank God that he didn't turn those uh, those stones into bread because later on he would turn, right, one piece of bread into 5,000, right? Thank God that Jesus didn't submit to the devil when he was giving him these little munchies and appetizers because the greatest glory that God would ever receive is not from the miracles. Someone hear me right now. The greatest glory that God would ever receive from his son is not from the miracles or the divine appointments or the healings, all right? The greatest glory God would ever receive was from hanging on a cross. Not from giving in to the devil and his munchies and his, so to speak, appetizers, appetizers, McDonald's french fries, so to speak, all right. The devil will use uh, times of your tired and your weakness to distract you and remove you from the things of God in your life. I will never forget a time early on when we started the calling, our first year. I think Corrine shared, Pastor shared, Corrine shared last week a little bit about it. When we, Corrine and I made only like twenty-seven dollars to $30,000 a year. And God called us to start this church. And we said, God, we have nothing. What, can you, how, what, are, what are you going to do with us? And God said, one day at a time. I'm, I'm with you. Just do what I ask you to do. Sure enough, one month rolled around, two months rolled around. Uh, and we were able to buy TVs. We still have the same TVs we started with. We're, we're literally like 25-inch TVs or 35-inch TVs. And every Sunday, what we would do is we would rent a U-Haul. We would pack the U-Haul. We would take those TVs down the stairs. And, and, and we would just do this to put church on Sunday evenings when we first started. And I remember by Sunday evening after all of that, taking the U-Haul back, um, put it, uh, we lived in Azusa, by the way. We lived by gangs. To be honest with you, we lived by gangs. We were hoping, praying. Don't let the gang see these TVs, Lord. Please, no. <laughs> these are our church TVs. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, uh, after that evening, man, I remember being so famished, so to speak. So tired. Worn out. And I would tell God, Lord, I don't know if I can keep up with this. I don't know if this is sustainable. And I remember that the, I, I would feel doubt. I remember times even I'd hear the devil say, give it up, man. There's nothing that's going to come out of this. 
Ain't nothing going to come out of this. And what a lie because we are nearly 1,000 salvations almost seven years later. What a lie, right? But, but he, would, he would tempt me to quit. And I remember God would tell me this, Michael, don't fight on Sundays. You know what you need, Michael? Rest. Rest and enjoy Sunday. Don't, don't ask yourself, do I keep going on when you're tired and you're weak? What you need from me is rest. Just rest. And when you wake up on Monday or Tuesday morning, then you ask me that question and we'll talk about it. And we did this, I did this with God for over a year. I would never fight. Even my wife knows, Michael, you ain't fighting because I would murmur, man, I don't know if God's in this. I don't know if God's saying doing this or did God say that? And she would say, you don't fight on Sundays. You fight on Tuesdays. After, after, you're, after you're fed, after you're rested, and after your mind, that's some good teaching right there. After your mind is in the right place. Let me tell you, the combination of hunger, of tired and weariness, you never make a decision. Devil, I'm arresting. I am not going to make a decision today. You, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a terrible combination. You're trying to buy a car on that combination. You're trying to decide whether I stay married in that combination. You're trying to decide, should I go to church every weekend with that combination? Watch this. Rest. And then God will speak to you. With a, when, when, you're, when you're fed, when you're rested, and you have a sound mind. Someone say amen. Why am I saying this? Because Esau was the opposite. He was tired. He was hungry. He was exhausted. And without thought, he gave away something so beautiful. He gave away something so big for something so small. He gave away blessings. For, uh, he gave away big blessings for something so small, for just a pot of Watch this. The Bible accuses Esau of being godless. Say godless. Godless in the Greek means profane, irreligious, secular, worldly. Holy hunger means that we are making, watch this, decisions and choices in our faith, all right, not just out of instinct. When, you, when you're at work, when you're living your life, when you're with your family, don't make choices out of instinct. instinct. Make choices and decisions out of faith. Let me say that again. Esau did not make a decision out of faith. He made a decision being faithless out of instinct to feed a, a, a momentary appetite. Watch this. To feed a momentary appetite destroyed an eternal plan for his life. Let me say that again. A momentary gratification, all right, an appetite for the now destroyed his blessing for his future, his blessing on his family, all right. And this is what this fast is doing right now today, all right. We're saying no to food for a moment. We're saying no to the sin, all right. We're saying no to the devil. We're saying no to certain things or social media because we want what God has for our lives. Do we not? Come on, somebody say amen. We want every blessing. We want every inheritance that God has for our life. No, I'm not going to do tender. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. Who knows? I'll go to church. Maybe I'll meet a man there. Hello. All right. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just saying that's pretty good outcome. That's pretty good, you know, hypothetical, so to speak. All right. Don't feel momentary gratifications and destroy the things that God has for your life. One moment in an affair can destroy your whole family. One moment with drugs can destroy your life. I have to tell you, from 2020 to 2023, I cannot tell you, I've had friends died, overdose, because they just wanted to get that high again. 
They wanted, to get, they wanted the best high that they could ever receive or get. And watch this. I, I had a drug addict. I'm, you know what? Let me be honest because that's how I am. I'm raw and real. How many know that? All right? I'm raw and real. I'm honest. All right? My dad came to me one day. I said, Michael, you know what? I want to share this with you. I'm like, okay, I don't know. My dad was always an open book. And, you know, I just loved him. He said, you know what drugs are like? And I said, no, because I don't do that. All right? That's not me. He said, drugs, I crave drugs so badly. My body desires it with a hunger you don't even understand. Maybe that's some of us today. Or maybe it's not just for drugs. Maybe it's for a relationship, whatever it is. Let me just share the story because I feel the Holy Spirit wanted me to share this. My dad was a drug addict most of my life. It hurt so much because I just wanted him to see me and not the drugs. I would throw his drugs away. He would overdose on drugs and I would resuscitate my own father. This is, this is not exaggeration. This is true. He, uh, 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 someone out there, you might be trying to get high to replace. And see, the thing is, my dad was running from hurt and pain and trauma and the put downs in his life, thinking that the drugs or these small little munchies were going to just fill his appetite. And one day he met Jesus. One day he said, Michael, I want to go to Faith Community Church with you. And I said, absolutely, I'll pick you up. We'll go there every Sunday. My dad had stage four cancer at 100 pounds. My dad decided to get off the drugs probably because he had to. But he would be in church every Sunday with, feeble, with a feeble body, with feeble arms. I could see it in my memory. He would lift up his hands during praise and worship. He found something that replaced the little minimal munchies of of the devil. He finally learned what life was. And it was, it was interesting, kind of contradictory, because his body was wasting away. But at the same time, eternal life, the life of Jesus was coming, was, was sparking and happening in his life. And what turned out to be the doctors giving him only uh, uh, six months to live turned into 24 months. And God gave him a, a, a death and a burial that was honorable. He died in front of all of his family. He died with honor because he chose the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, someone out there today. And I know, watch this. <clears throat> and I, I always say this because anyone who is dead in, the, in Christ, so to speak, anyone who's passed away in Jesus will not be part of my past. My dad won't be part of my past. My dad is part of my future because I will meet him again when it's time in the kingdom of God. Come on, someone out there, all right? It gives me hope. It gives me hope. It gives me, it gives me great faith. So watch this. Stop filling your life with earthly munchies and earthly nibblings that truly do not satisfy, all right? Uh, the decisions that you make in your faith today will have lasting impact tomorrow. I know I'm going long, but I'll finish, all right? Will have lasting Because Esau gave away his birthright, watch this. He gave away everything. And, 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 and when you look at the genealogy of Jesus Christ in Matthew and Luke, you remember, remember the genealogy. It says, that, uh, that or even, when God, even when God revealed himself to Moses, you remember what he says to Moses? I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and watch what he does not say. He does not say Esau, even though Esau is the firstborn. Watch this. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm here to tell you, friend, don't give away something so big 
for something so small. What God has for you, he has for you. Believe it and wait for it in the faith. And he will give it to you on time with the right person, with the right place, so to speak, with the right people, all right. Jacob is in the lineage of Jesus because, uh, first of all, he was chosen. But Esau, by his decision, he gave it away. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Our mission as a church is choosing Jesus, chasing freedom, discovering our gifts, and serving Jesus. I have a question for you. What is your next step with Christ? Take your next step today by visiting thecallingla.com. If today's message touched you, we'd love to partner with you in sharing the hope and the message of Christ. So visit thecallingla.com give.